BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Support for 100 Words comes from Talenti. When Talenti makes gelato and sorbetto, they tend to get a little overzealous. Do they need to use so many raspberries in their Roman raspberry sorbetto that the machine broke? Do they need to try 25 different chai teas to find the perfect spice blend for their vanilla chai gelato? Did they have to invent giant mint steepers to make their Mediterranean mint super minty? Does their obsessiveness make Talenti, Gelato, and Sorbetto the greatest? You be the judge. But yes, it does make them the greatest, and they're also the judge. Talenti, the delicious is in the details. And trust me, this is the real deal stuff. I love it. Their Sorbettos are unbelievable. Now, here's the show. Hello one, hello all, I am Ray Harkins and you are listening to 100 Words or Less, the podcast. Thank you for joining us on this this gloomy afternoon here in Southern California. You're not tuning in for the weather, you are tuning in for people tuning in. I always love when I say that, tuning in like you're you're flipping a dial on your radio. It's like you're, you're downloading this, you're listening to a podcast, so I'm not going to pretend that this is radio. <laughs> but we are here talking to people, creators, influencers, major players within the independent music community, whether it's starting a record label, whether it's playing music themselves, 
whatever. As long as you have been involved in this thing or have been influenced it, influenced by it <laughs> in a very profound and deep way. And Keith Barney is on the show today. He's the guitarist for 18 Visions. He also is the vocalist for the first two records of Throwdown. He also played in Death by Stereo. He was a very overactive dude when it came to his participation in the Orange County, Orange County music scene here. And uh, I've known him forever. And we actually talk about that at the top of the episode, so I won't belabor that point. But uh, let me get some business pleasantries out of the way, and then we will uh, dive into the episode. First of all, I have to tell you, like I've been telling you all month long, and if you haven't done it yet, please just step up, do this. Rise Against, unbelievable band. They have a new record, Wolves, that's coming out on June 7th. Go to riseagainstshop.com. You can pre-order it. You can see all these amazing options in regards to t-shirts, long sleeves, sweaters, colored vinyl, all that fun stuff is at their pre-order. And I've heard the record. It is really, really good. And if you have not listened to Rise Against at all, please rectify that immediately. This band is the realest of the real. They are a major player within the uh, rock world now. It's like they're not just, you know, an independent punk and hardcore band. They are influencing people in a major, huge way. I just love going to Rise Against shows, seeing the sort of people that attend these shows. And they are such a wide variety of, like, you know, mainstream music lovers. And then people such as myself who it's like, oh, yeah, like you, you look like you're from the scene, quote unquote. But uh, yeah, Rise Against, so good. They are on tour all this summer with Deftones and Thrice, and that is going to be an unbelievable show. So please, the record's called Wolves, pre-ordered immediately, and uh, yeah, you'll be thanking me after you did. <laughs> I'm always so presumptuous about that. Like someone's going to write me and be like, hey, thank you for telling me to pre-order the Rise Against record. <laughs> but anyways, oh, hopefully you will thank me. I, I'm fairly certain, based on the quality of the record, that you will be thanking me. And I also have to tell you about this awesome service called Symbol.fm. I love this thing so much. I've been having a lot of fun interacting with some of you on the platform. And basically, it's just the easiest way to share music, not only in that particular app, but then also to other social networks. And I just find it so fun. It's just a great way to consume music. Please add me at XPurposeX, and then we'll be able to, uh, yeah, talk on there, share music, Look at charts. It's a great tool for discovery as well. So please, I back them wholeheartedly and you will your life will be enriched after you download that app. And then um, I also want to tell you about a, another incredible podcast. You've been hearing these recommendations and hopefully you've been sampling them and taking heed. There is a great show on the Jabberjaw Network called Too Old to Date. And this is definitely not of the music variety that you are used to from Jabberjaw, but uh, that means the show must be really, really good. And frankly, it is. So I mean, I've been out of the dating game for a while, but listening to the show is highly entertaining because uh, basically they, you know, compile horrible, hopeful, fun dating stories from people who have, are out there, out in the world, doing it, trying to meet people in this, you know, highly digitized society of, uh, you know, Tinder and everything else that exists. So if you if that sounds remotely interesting, please dive in there because there's uh, some very insightful conversations that happen there, some funny, some horrifying, <laughs> all the above. But too old to date. You can find it at any podcast catcher. And uh, yeah, thanks Jabberjaw for bringing us great shows. Right. All right, that's uh, that's all the the business stuff initially, and uh, maybe you'll hear some more about it later. But who knows? Maybe you won't. <laughs> Anyways, like I said, Keith, I've known for a very long time. We've played a lot of shows together over the years. And I went over to his house one evening and we had a great conversation in his backyard. It was, um, it, it's one of those things that's funny because 
you know a lot of people, you know, like when you go to shows and you're, you're mixing it up and, or even in the real world, you know, you know people, but then if no one has the time to sit down and really kind of, you know, get to know a person on a deeper level, I can't tell you how many times I've had a person on the show that first of all, I walk away being like, oh wow, I didn't know those things about them. And then I have people reach out to me or I'm just in conversation with others who are like, man, I've known this person for 10 years and I didn't know these things. So it's such a fun thing for me to be able to not only give, but then also selfishly receive. And, um, yeah, Keith just shared a lot of his, uh, his stories. We, we go into, um, you know, some pretty specific things, but, uh, and we also, you know, maybe wax poetic a little bit about the uh, beauty that, uh, was the Orange County hardcore scene that we were participating in very actively from, you know, late nineties, early two thousands. Uh, just because I do feel like it was uh, such a special thing and I'm not, you know, putting on my rose colored glasses and being like, Oh man, the scene was so much better back then. That's not what I'm saying, but, uh, it, it was something very, very special. So anyways, here's my discussion with Keith and I will talk to you afterwards. I've known you forever, but like, if you put me on the spot, I'd be like, oh yeah, like when did you meet Keith? No fucking clue. Like, I have no idea. Like, obviously yeah. it was at a show through music or whatever, but I would have no idea like what, <laughs> like, oh yeah, it was that show that we played together or whatever. But I mean, I, I, I presume you probably have the same. I think so. Um, except maybe I went to like a taken band practice or something one time. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that actually, yeah, when we were practicing at Troy's house. Cause that's yeah. What, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I remember that. Maybe yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe that's, or maybe I knew you before then. I don't know. Because, yeah. Because, because I was friends with Chad. Exactly. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's, maybe that's right. that's what it was. Yeah, now, <laughs> that's right. Now I totally remember, because that was like relatively early-ish in our, I use the word career lightly, um, <laughs> but the, I just remember where it was like, Chad's like, oh, Keith's going to come over. And like, I remember being like, Dude, like fuck, like Keith, from like, like, <laughs> like adamantium and throwdown. It's like, and I remember because, like, I mean, how old are you? You're thirty eight. Eight. Okay, yeah, I'm thirty six. But this actually leads into my first point, where the uh, I like I can't tell you how much I worshipped at the altar of adamantium, like mm. the first seven inch and the first LP, where Thanks. I was looking at what you guys were doing. And it was like, it was so far from anything that I could like comprehend as far as like, like you're playing at showcase theater. Like this is unbelievable. There's like 200 people here and they're going nuts. And like, but you, and you guys felt so much older than me. Like it was just, you know, it's, it's weird how that happens. Yeah. When you're younger, everyone seems even just a little bit of differences. It seems like a big difference. Right. For sure. It's like generationally speaking, you're just like, I mean, I've said this before too on the podcast, but like, like Matt Pryor from the get up kids, it's like. He is, you know, he's maybe, I think he's like 42 or 43, but like, you know, watching him at Coos Cafe, you're just like, dude, this guy's like, he's like so much older than me. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> but I, I remember the, uh, one of, I think it, I think it was Taken's first show beyond like a crappy showcase battle of the bands was we played with you guys and a day in the life at oh, showcase nice. theater, like terrible show. There was like you know, 80 people there or something like that. But yeah. we were all just so stoked because we were just like, dude, we're sharing the stage with adamantium. <laughs> and it was, I, I'm sure that there were, I mean, maybe not like, maybe I'm presuming this, but like what, what were your bands that you were kind of like looking up to in regards to just like locally that you felt that sort of same, like, Oh wow. It's like, even though they're maybe only like two years older than me. Like, yeah. <laughs> 
I mean, Unbroken easily. Yes. I was a huge, huge fan. Um, you know, totally obsessed back in high school and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, them, it, I mean, I liked the spectrum of different types of bands in hardcore. Yeah. I, I, like, I really enjoyed the fact that I could go to a show and see different types of bands. Um, but, so... I was really big into excessive force at the time. Hell yeah. You know, because they were just like so aggressive, so militant. Right. I love that. And then, but, you know, um, Damnation, that was mm-hmm. a big band for me back then. Well, for local local stuff, I guess. Yeah. Uh, mean Season. Right. That was, a, that was another big band for me. Strife was a big band. Mm-hmm. You know, huge, huge, you know, totally different type of hardcore, right? Yep. But, um, yeah, some were just kind of like... There were some that I really dove into because of like the lyrics and I could stare at like the record mm-hmm. and like really dive into the world thinking about those records. Right. And then there were some that like all I cared about was like the live experience, which was like strife. Right. Right. You know, and like the live experience of seeing like 300 kids going nuts to like sing along to the same song. Right. Whereas other bands didn't quite have that. Mm-hmm. It was just kind of more introspective or something, you know? I yeah. just loved that spectrum. Yeah. You know? No, that's a, re- that's a really good flavors. point. I mean, just like Mean Seasoning is a prime example of a band that like, yeah, at one point they were getting reactions, but not to the same extent as like you said, like Strife or something like sure. that. But I could listen to a Mean Season record and appreciate it more musically mm-hmm. for different things. And they'd have like these you know, cool, like acoustic bits and like yeah. just the extra textures and layers that made me start thinking, Oh, maybe I could do that too. You know? Right. Right. And so, I mean, once you started to attend shows and like watch, you know, bands play, like, were you immediately taken by the fact that you wanted to be on stage and play in a band? Um, I was already playing music. Um, not great, but I was, but I was playing guitar for a while there. And no, I think I've always looked at most of my life as just like one piece at a time. I, I didn't have any big plans or big thoughts on anything. I just, I think I can do this. That looks attainable. So I'll just do that. And then once I would get to that step, then I would, Oh, I think maybe I can do this now. Right. So at that time, it, <coughs> it was just about like ha- uh, finding other guys that liked the same stuff. And I just wanted to get, and this is something that to this day I still com- is enjoy just about the most. It's just, just getting in a practice space. And, and practicing with other guys. And so at that time, it was like, rad. I just want to, like, have band practice and play heavy stuff. and Right. Yeah. <laughs> just, just the, the camaraderie aspect of it? Yeah, it's almost like a treehouse. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like the guys get together, and you're in this space, and, like, no one else is around. And, and actually, like, for me in general, I, I never liked big groups of people. Like, hanging out in big groups where you kind of get lost or people are mingling and so you never get into deep conversation that kind of stuff right right so but i and and i mean i have no problem like hanging out and watching a movie by myself or this and that but i like that small group of people because then like you can get to know people you can rap out about this and that what are you into and there's enough time for everyone to kind of chat you know yeah yeah you you you, right you you don't have the the, I mean, because, you know, when, once you get, like, more than, like, 15 people, then it becomes, like, a small party. And, yeah. like, there's no... all, all your connection looking, just starts breaking up yeah. a little bit, you know? And so, like, I felt like you get five guys in a practice space who all love the same music, and the connection would just get super deep. And we're just like, fucking, we're working towards this thing. We're working towards whatever it is. Like, you know, initially, obviously, it's a demo. Yeah. We're going to, like, so that we can have that demo to give to our friends. And, like, 
And then once you get to that step, it's like, oh, maybe like we'll work towards a house show. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> totally. Yeah. These, these, oh, man, I love all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I really like how you frame that because the, uh, you know, the idea, especially too, because it's like, you know, from the mid nineties to the late nineties, it was such a, uh, you know, the idea of playing aggressive music and like, you know, making a career out of it didn't make any sense. Yeah. Like there was no road, like you had a band, you know, even bands like obviously, you know, strife and earth crisis and Snapcase, like those were, they were career bands, but not to the extent of, you know, it's like they were touring and coming home with like, all right, cool. I got 800 bucks for rent. And then like, that's like it. But then you had, you know, you maybe had a band like hate but it wasn't until like really like a band, like, you know, frankly, poison the well, like kind of breaking open more wider in regards to, Oh, these are people that aren't into like hardcore that are coming to their shows or whatever. Yeah. But like, there was no notion that you would do this as like a life. Totally. <laughs> yeah, no, it wasn't. Yeah. It was, it was really somewhere around that time where like, bands started to break out into like other genres or, or or kids coming from other genres to see those shows that was like oh and then that it started breaking out and spiraling and this and that you know? yeah yeah no exactly and we'll return. but i agree up, up, yeah up until that point it was it was i mean those bands probably toured snapcase earth christ all those bands at the time but just because they loved hardcore i mean yeah you know what i mean they didn't they didn't have big aspirations probably right right you know? and, and the idea of like making a living was like such a meager living where you're just like yeah I, when i go sure. home i don't immediately have to return to the bagel shop to like work or so yeah. like i have you know three weeks in which before the next tour starts that i like don't have to you know work a temp job or whatever yeah. uh which will return to that but the uh so you, you were born and raised in southern california right no, I was born in Colorado. Oh, okay. I didn't Six know that. months in, I moved to we. My family moved to Chicago. Oh, okay. Chicago for three years, and then we moved to Texas, just outside Dallas. Lived there for about a year, and we were. My dad tells me that they were pretty miserable in Texas. It was <laughs> too hot and too many bugs and too whatever. Yeah. And then an opportunity for him opened up in in California, so Got it. came out here. And I was about here by the time I was like five six. So basically, yeah, most most of your memories exist within Southern California. Really, yeah. most of my memories are here and then probably a good 30, 40 percent are Washington State, where all my family's really from. Oh, OK. So every year I would go up there. I mean, every year of my life, I'd go up to Washington State and then visit the relatives and all that kind of stuff. So sure. The Northwest is definitely like a part of my heart. I love it up there. Right. But yeah, basically from California. Right. And so and you're an only child, right? Or no? No, you I have, have a sister. Oh, okay. Oh, that's she right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, the, I don't know why I always I thought that you were an only child. Just because you, you tend, especially with what you're talking about in regards to not liking large groups and like actually having like more intimate connections with people. Because, you know, that kind of tends to be like a more only child yeah. thing where it's like, yeah. oh yeah, actually like, like. Well, we were so different, honestly. Yeah. I felt like it a lot of times. <laughs> So completely opposite. Right. Was there was there a, a lot of uh, turmoil and strife between that relationship, or you guys were just on your both different paths? No, we always got along pretty well. Um, but my my parents were very conservative, mm -hmm. very Orange County conservative. Right. Um, whether it was religious or their you know political leanings and all that kind of stuff. And my sister kind of gravitated towards what they were kind of 
talking about and right. shelling or whatever, you know. And I was always like, yeah, but these records are telling me that. <laughs> I was gonna say, I was like, <laughs> then here, here you comes you, with all, right? Here comes you with all these subculture ideas where they're yeah. just like, what is Keith getting into? Yeah, exactly. So um, <laughs> was that was that you know? I'm I'm guessing. So that I was, definitely created awkwardness. <laughs> was was it and was it hard for your parents to? understand where you were coming from or they just think it was like a phase or how did they treat that as you were bringing all that stuff home absolutely impossible like yeah. th- there was no acceptance of it at all um <laughs> i mean in general like when i was in high school i was you know it was like a lot of my friends i was way into like skating mm-hmm. and music going to shows all that kind of stuff but i would have to like hide the clothes i wanted to wear in my trunk and like when i go to school i would change you know wow what I mean? okay yeah, yeah sure and, um, so what you'd be wearing, like, you know, like a put, like looking like nice, like a polo shirt and then like, like, no, it'd just be like a, like a, like a quick, quick silver, silver shirt, shirt <laughs> with like probably some like dockers or something like that. Right. And then I would like change into like my fucked shorts and like my sure, <laughs> my whatever shirt, you know, like right, my right. XL fucking hardcore shirt. Of course. You know? Yeah, exactly. Cause that's all the size they made back then. <laughs> Straight up. <laughs> I think so. That's funny. So it be, because of that, you getting into a weird subculture and on top of it also being very influenced by its ideals and philosophies, um, your parents are basically like, did they, I mean, accept it from the standpoint of just like, all right, we don't understand this. Keith is going to do this regardless. Or was it a constant like, Keith, you can't be out in a school night. Like a lot of battles from that perspective. I mean, yeah, it was, <laughs> the whole thing was a battle. Um, okay. They, they didn't like the music um before i got into hardcore my first love was led zeppelin and classic rock and a lot of rad stuff that my dad showed me okay um like eric clapton and cream and the doors and all that kind of stuff and then i got like then i found punk and this and that um when i got into like junior high and high school and stuff but Mm -hmm. um so when i got into like the heavier stuff which i totally like grabbed onto um yeah they didn't get that at all um they didn't understand straight edge at all. My dad was like, oh, I'm never gonna be able to have a beer with you kind of a thing, you know? Um, <laughs> Dude, I, lo- I love those like father moments where it's just like, oh, we'll never be able to bond yeah, because was, we can't. <laughs> yeah, and I'm looking at it, looking at him like, so what? Like, we can't talk. We can't be close or something. Like, <laughs> totally. So stupid. Right. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I remember I used to like put flyers on my wall and all that kind of stuff. And then I had to take them down and right. I would get, tickets to a show in LA but that was too far so they ripped up my tickets and stuff like that it was just um so like the day I graduated high school I moved out you pieced out and I moved up to up to Newport sure and uh, that's where I started living with Aaron Lisi who was at Amatium and Tommy Love and those guys like so I had become friends with those guys because shows in high school Mm -hmm. but it was like the day I was out they all my friends they were all like Keith you gotta get the fuck out of here so we can start playing and all this stuff you know because they I mean I was just brimming with all the shit I wanted to do yeah but I was so like restricted yeah you felt held back right right anyway dude that's (laughs) funny that's funny that it was so like yeah, I mean, it's... It, my life was rad, but all that stuff that had to do with hardcore and the thing that really, really was important to me... Right. ...was the thing that, like, I had to keep a lid on or something. Right, know? totally. Just, well, yeah, you're, I mean, you're extremely passionate about it, and your parents don't want to, uh, you know, help you along with that passion. Even if they may not understand it, they just yeah. didn't want to help, and that's, yeah, that's hard. Yeah. <laughs> they never saw me play until, like, maybe, like, a year before 18 Visions broke up. Wow. Yeah. 
Like they just straight up would not support it. <clears throat> wow. And yeah. the, when they eventually did, like, I'm not saying that their perspective changed, but like, did they understand it a little bit or did they have, did you have any dialogue with them on that? Or was it just like, well, no, that was that. I don't think I ever addressed it head on, Yeah, but, but the reality was, and the coolest part about it was my dad's mom, my grandma. Uh-huh. She was the first one to come see. Well, my sister had seen me play a few times when I was younger. Sure. She, my sister was always cool, but she didn't care about it like that. Right. <clears throat> but my grandma came and saw me play when I was up in Washington state in Spokane. She asked my cousin to drive her out to the show, so they came out. It's amazing. And they saw we, I think we were on tour with like, it was Kill Switch Engage or something like that. And they, and she came and watched us play. And I think that inspired my dad to be like, hey, like, this is your kid. Time's like moving along. You better get out and like experience this kind of a thing, you know? Right. So it was rad. And, and I just appreciated it. I didn't want to make a big deal out of it. I was like, yeah. cool, you want to come? Rad. I just didn't make, I didn't want to. Totally. Like the, the gesture in and of itself was incredibly meaningful. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, I was pissed about all the years they didn't, of but course. Like, I didn't want to go there. It was just like, I was just happy that they, we kind of. Yeah. You wanted to enjoy the moment for what it was yeah. as opposed to yeah. like, <laughs> Hey, Hey, right after the show, let's do a full deconstruction on what do you think? This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all want more time in our lives. You know, whether it's like, Dang, I wish I had like another hour to, you know, play video games or read more or get outside or whatever it is. I know myself that I actually get questions a lot in regards to this podcast. How do you fit it in your day? And like, how do you do the interviews and all that stuff to be able to then balance the rest of my life from my work and, you know, playing in a band and I have a family, all of these things. But that is why therapy is so awesome because it helps you be able to sort out your life to focus on the things that for one, really matter to you and two, try to find more time for those things that you love. That is why I love working with BetterHelp because if you need to find a therapist, they're there for you. So give them a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient for you and they can be suited to your schedule and You fill out a brief questionnaire, matches you up with your own personal therapist, and if you do not like that experience, you can switch it. No problem. No questions asked. It's great. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. It's an offer just for you, the listener of this podcast. That's BetterHelp.com slash Ray. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. 
BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Oh boy, I'm excited to tell you that today's show is brought to you by Audible, our old friends. I love it when they hang out in the show because they provide the best audiobook performances, the largest library, and the most exclusive content. So there's a show, there's a, I'll just call it a show because that's sometimes what it feels like. But there's a book that I read recently. I read the actual physical copy and then I wanted to listen to it. It's called Annihilation by Jeff Vandermeer. And holy crap, that book is unbelievable. I highly, highly suggest that you go start your 30-day free trial and your first Audible book is free, which why don't you download that? And you can do that at audible.com slash words. And trust me, so imagine this, close your eyes. If you were listening to Annihilation right now on Audible, you'd experience things like, you know, that little tingles in the back of your neck, maybe a little goosebumps or a shiver down your spine. Because with an Audible sci-fi performance so powerful, you can feel like you're transported to another galaxy, dimension, whatever, all while you're sitting in traffic, running on the treadmill, doing whatever you do during your day. But, but Annihilation is like six hours. It's unbelievably read. It's it's a performance, you know? So trust me, go to audible.com slash 100 words. That's the number 100, 100, W-O-R-D-S. Audible.com slash 100 words. You get your first book for free. Please, I'm giving you a free book. More entertainment, more fun stuff. So thank you, Audible. Thank you for supporting the show. And now, back to my discussion with Keith. Something that you've actually mentioned in previous interviews that I found interesting was the uh, notion that you got once you get introduced to hardcore via because it was kids in your baseball team, right? Or yeah. Mm-hmm. And you know, there's there's that common. I mean, it, it's less so now where that that distinction between like sports and jock mentality and you know hardcore and punk like they were at odds obviously for many years. And so I find it interesting that it was like you know dudes you were hanging out with on the baseball team like because yeah. clearly there's nothing wrong with playing sports, but it was like you know what I'm talking about like there is that yeah. like oh like oh you play sports but like you can't really be you know into hardcore as well like there people maybe like you sports that, but it wasn't overt you know that the only sport that seemed like taboo for that was football right so like until 10 yard fight i'm just kidding (laughs) (laughs) but yes i'm just kidding but yes your points uh i always played soccer and baseball and soccer has always been like my my number one yeah my number one sport but yeah so those are the two that i played and on in in baseball and soccer there was always other kids that were were into like punk or hardcore and stuff like that too so yeah that wasn't weird but it was very it's definitely very strange when like dudes from football team be like hey like can i borrow that tape or can i you know whatever like that would be a little weird you know right (laughs) 
<laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, I guess yeah, football was definitely distinct in that because I mean it's so closely linked to you know the art archetype of yeah, a jock. Exactly. <laughs> um, and so, like, did you as you were going through school? Did you uh, care about it? Did you you know apply yourself? Did you uh, or was it one of those things? You're like, yo, I can't wait to get through high school to move um, on to my next thing. School. Um you know, I I knew that because of my parents and all that kind of stuff, I knew how to do at least decent. Right. You know? <laughs> I mean, my sister was like straight A's, like so I couldn't. I, I didn't even. I didn't have the patience to do all that. <laughs> I mean, right. I definitely had all these. I mean, at that time, I was playing soccer full time. Yep. Like Whether it was for high school or for club. Sure. Um, and then I was like skateboarding, and I was into going to the record store and going to shows. I was so f- busy. So I mean, I got by through grades and i did i always did pretty good mm-hmm. c's b's and a's a smattering of everything yeah um and you know certain things i would get i would get pretty interested in but um no it wasn't it wasn't important to me really yeah you know yeah did you uh did you have pro aspirations in regards to soccer um i mean as real as they can be you know with the notion that you're like well like i don't yeah, know if i'll ever get there but like i said i only did like pieces at a time when i ever thought about things so i, I thought about college yeah yeah i did because um, i i was i was pretty good and i you know i was always a starter i was always you know varsity every year even as a freshman and all that kind of stuff and yeah well you're playing club teams and playing year round like yeah yeah, yeah so I, I mean i was i was definitely super super serious about it um but really uh I just became more serious about music. <laughs> you always reach that fork in the road moment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anybody that's like doing, I was the same way. I mean, for me, it was golf. Like I was like nine until about 15. It was like junior PGA playing in tournaments. And then it right. came, yeah, it came to that point where it was just like, <sighs> I mean, there was a myriad of reasons why I didn't like, uh, why I wasn't able to continue to pursue golf, but it definitely was just like, yo, going to shows and like playing in bands. Like that's like really fun. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> But it also looks so much more attainable. You go to a show and you see like four dudes your age playing like six chords, and you're like, I can do that like by next week, <laughs> right? <laughs> no, it's very true. Like so, rather than like looking at the and your you, friends will think you're awesome, right? <laughs> totally. Or looking or looking at like the PGA Tour or you know European soccer and be like, how the hell am I going to get there? Yeah, totally. like that. That's that's such a far road to to go down. I got uh, accepted for some team that could go to go play in like it was like France and somewhere else, but my. My parents didn't really want to spend the money on it. Like, oh yeah, that's a huge commitment. Yeah, it was a big kind of a big deal. Um, so what? What ostensibly was your was is Adamantium your first band, or did you play in other things prior to that? Well, before Adamantium, we were called Collapse. Uh, yes, right. So, so, right. so in high school, like, um, that was Collapse was essentially your first band. Yeah, I mean, it was essentially as my, far as like a show is concerned. Yeah. I mean, even though you guys played house shows, you know. Yeah, yeah, we played as Collapse and. And I mean, I like I said, there was so much time in there where we were practicing and demoing, and stuff, so I considered it a band. Yeah. And then we, you know, turned into Adamantium. And right, right, right. Yeah. Um, because the the thing that I, the thing that I always really um, uh, not only admired but was frankly jealous of too, because I mean, I, I went to high school at Orange Lutheran, which was like so far disconnected from you know Newport Harbor and Colonel Mar, and like all, I always felt in Huntington High, I always felt like, oh man, like it's cool that you guys all are into hardcore in the, in, in high school. Cause it seemed like it was like, Oh yeah, you either go to Huntington or Newport Harbor if you're into hardcore. Yeah. And then it was like, 
it, it was legitimately like me that liked hardcore at my school. And then I eventually got Nick and Troy who played and taken into it. But I felt so, I was just like, oh man, I kind of wish that I had this big group of friends. It seemed so cool to me. I, I'm guessing it was to have this this community of kids. Well, honestly, I I went to school down here in Aliso Viejo, right? And uh, there was a small group. Okay. Um, and then there was like a, a, a few like older kids um, that would you know shell down records and stuff like that. There was so there was a there was a small group. We didn't yeah. have a huge, but yeah, you're right. Like Newport and stuff like that. You know, when when I met all these people from Northern Orange County. And, you know, because of adamantium and all that stuff, um, yeah, like, they had a huge cruise. Yeah. And so it was, like, all of a sudden, like, friends multiplied and, like, this this community really multiplied. Right. And, and, and that was rad, too, because the friends that I had down here, they, they would always come up and go to shows and play and whatever. And so then the two started connecting. South County and North County, like they started to become friends, and then there was more mingling and stuff like that, and then it just yeah it started branching, which was cool. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that is interesting. Where it because it really did. I mean, you know, the, from whatever ninety six till about you know whatever two thousand three two thousand four, it, it was so um, exciting to be a part of something that was not on the national radar, and then all of a sudden, like I so distinctly remember, it was like. The, uh, you know, like at the glass house, it was like, I want to say, you know, throw down bleeding through. Um, I, I can't recall whether or not what iteration of throw down it was. I apologize, but I just remember it was like these local bands sold out the glass house. Yeah. Holy shit. Like yeah. it was unbelievable. I think I was seeing at that time. Yeah, I think and so. It was a, that was, I think that was right before I stopped singing for throw down actually. Mm-hmm. Um, because I was so fucking nervous, like leading up to the show, like that was yeah, like you said, it was a huge moment. Yeah, it was like oh my god, like we're playing at Glass House, like right. this is where I went and saw the Deftones, right? Slipknot and stuff like that, you know? right? And Voodoo Glow Skulls, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it, it was it was so. Uh, it's just weird when you watch a scene yeah. get as big as that. I mean, I know it happens all over the place, but it was like, you know, because it was our scene and we were all like cultivating and working for it. And then all of a sudden, once it started to break open, it was just like, oh my gosh, this is like next level weird. Then I, rem- I remember it like, I mean, you distinctly remember when before Chain Reaction had any sort of uh, capacity limits and they would let like yeah. 175 million people in there. Yeah. I remember it was, I think it was like us, you guys, um, I can't, but it was just basically all locals and it was like six of us playing together. And there was like, I mean, they sold like 850 tickets there and I was just like, yeah. and you can even move around in there. And yeah, it was like, totally. what are, what, are, what is ha- Like what is happening? These are people who are not, we haven't like seen coming to shows that are coming to shows and it's just wild. Yeah. It was awesome. And you know, I didn't ever th- know outside of our scene what it was like in other scenes. I mean, yeah. just from zines and stuff like that, I would see things and I would, probably just think about me it was probably crazy it's probably crazy in syracuse, syracuse that's right. i was right? gonna say syracuse you know is mean? the it's only touchstone sick in philly but <laughs> i don't know i just yeah uh, but I, but for us i mean it, it must have i i think i think i do remember thinking like it must be pretty cool here because all these rad bands are coming through like right you know when they did like the california takeover and stuff, yeah that was, that was a big deal you know totally totally yeah it's just it's it's weird but um the uh so the I apologize. I'm going to jump around here just because you know. I mean, a lot of the uh, since you played in so many bands, it's tough to uh, be able to distill them all into a, <laughs> into a concise moment. But apologize. oh, it's, yeah, it's completely your fault. <laughs> the um, like when you when you left Adamantium, 
uh, you know, ostensibly for the fact that because they are no longer a straight edge band, like that was, you know, a breaking point for you. I remember being like, that's cool. Like, I mean, granted, yes, I'm speaking from a colored perspective where I myself am straight edge and I'm still straight edge, but like, it was one of those things where it's like the, the, the principle behind it, even though, um, you know, the music was changing over time and everything else was changing within the members of the band. Um, it was like, Oh, like you, you didn't technically from a public facing perspective need to do that. Right. But you did that because you're just like, well, this is like what I believe. And I feel like this is a weird thing to continue on. I mean, I'm sure like, I'm sure it was tough for you. It was. I mean, I, I started the band, you know. Right. And, well, you know, it's fun. It, it was tough for me. Yes, it was tough. To, at that when when I made the decision, there had been like six months that had spanned since because I quit the band because Matt Horrid sold out. Right. You know, he was like my best friend through high school and all. I mean, we still, you know, he's still my my brother. Yeah. And but at the he knew that we you know we started the band together, the two of us. We started Collapse and it turned into all this stuff. And so he knew that it was a strange band. So when we talked about it, he was just like. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, it's it's cool. You know? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, you know, whatever. And so we tried to find another drummer, and we couldn't find anyone that was tradition as good as Matt. So I'm like, well, you know, I don't know what we're gonna do. And then when everyone was like, well, we'll just get like another good drummer that's not straight edge. I was like, well, I would feel really weird because I wrote all these straight edge lyrics, and like we were never like super outwardly. No, 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 no. You know? Like, but right. but lyrically, that was kind of like behind the scenes what was com- coming through. You know, on all right. that stuff. So I was just like, that would just feel so weird. You know, I can do something else that, that still does that thing that, that I still embodies do, you know? this. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I just, it, it, cause like I said, it's like it was hard, but it wasn't like from the core of it, which like was Horowitz. I said that wasn't tough. That, that, right. com- that conversation was really easy. Right. Right. But yeah, there's like leading up to it where it's just like, oh wow. Like, I guess, yeah, this is a decision I have to make. <laughs> and I think, you know, honestly, I think maybe, maybe I was ready to try other things too. Cause I had been jamming with those dudes for so long. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. So it's like, it, it, you know, the whatever one door closes and the window opens, whatever the saying goes. But like, yeah, yeah you, you don't recognize it at the time, but you're like, oh, yeah, like now I can express myself yeah. in a Joe hardcore band that came became real. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But it, and well, it's true. Well, no, I mean, speaking of that, it was like it was so, uh, you know, with Throwdown, it was so interesting to to watch something that, you know, clearly started off as just like, you know, as every band does, as every band does, friends having fun. But like the the level in which that it the the fun was on display yeah. was so like it was just like this is weird and then all, <laughs> all of a sudden it it started like when people when people like the audience took it seriously and then forced you guys to take it seriously like was that just a weird transition in your head to be like oh like oh this is a this is a quote unquote real thing now yeah yeah I mean I mean the you know those first songs were totally a joke but i mean even like three or four songs in we started writing you know just regular hard hardcore songs you know that you know had serious lyrics and music and all that stuff but we liked to mix it up obviously um but yeah i guess the fact that it caught on or something like that um and we needed songs to play live (laughs) we gotta write more songs so we you know right um and so we would just leave those joke songs in as like a smattering of for fun like and it and 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 we loved that you know yeah. we loved that um it was it was an we wanted throwdown to be more of an experience like we weren't trying to like <laughs> we weren't trying to do anything crazy at right. all you right. know we weren't trying to do th- anything super interesting we literally it was like i was talking about like strife you know we wanted to have fun playing live shows right, right. and and 
I mean, we just wanted to be heavy and have sing-alongs and just <laughs> right. Let's yeah. let's 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 the boil it down. Super simple. Yo, and yeah. we had a fucking blast. Right, right. <laughs> it was so fun. I it was, it was just weird, like from an outsider's perspective, just like watching it, like it, the, like I said, the distinct moment of people like starting to take it seriously. Where I was just like, I was like, you like. And not like I was looking at you guys being yeah. like, oh, this is like a joke band. Like, why are you guys into him? But it was just like, oh, this is like, this is crazy. Like, this is, they, Throwdown is getting a better reaction than 95% of the other bands that are <laughs> playing it, like, quote unquote, seriously, you know? Yeah. And it was just, it was, it, you know, it, it, it always brought me back to the idea where it's just like, oh, like, sometimes the most honest and truest, like, form of expression when you're not putting, frankly, too much thought into it can sometimes be the best. Yeah, but you know what? Also, I'm, Think about it now, like, so we had, like, a song called Trust. Yep. We had uh, the song Family. Like, these were, like, like lyrically, like, they were super important to me. Right. You know, um, obviously all the straight-edge songs, Don't Lose Sight, all that stuff. Like, the, I think people really latched onto that because, yeah. I mean, my whole goal with throwing all, at least when I was singing, was, was I want to make it clear as day so that you know where I'm coming from and if you have been there too or if you are there too yeah like we can totally like reach a connection instantaneously and that's what i wanted was like because because it was the live show and like whatever i wanted that was what i loved about a lot of records you know was mm-hmm. just connecting with that you know and so um yeah that was kind of the goal and i think that's where some of that serious vibe came out of it yeah like, that's rap, true they really latched onto those things right yeah yeah and then the fun parts were like rad we're just having fun kicking each other right totally <laughs> yeah, yeah of course right <laughs> the um i found it interesting too like, i mean like speaking from my perspective and maybe i'm just like imposing this on you too but like when you know all of our bands were playing out together and you know touring and, and you know bringing awareness to Orange County a lot of this stuff felt really life or death you know like there's clearly always drama that was happening within the context of a scene as in every scene that happens where it's just like you know whatever oh this dude sold out or whatever there's so much stuff that happens yeah. um did did that um you know i mean obviously you're speaking about it retrospectively but did that um stuff bum you out weigh you down did you try to ignore it like how did that stuff all affect you as it was kind of going on yeah so, some of that stuff was tough because at the, especially you know in your early 20s or whatever mm-hmm. you're still trying to figure out how to deal with difficult situations right right and then you're surrounded by a bunch of other people that are too, you know? Yeah. Um, so it, some of that stuff isn't easy. And plus you're living day in and day out with like, yeah, like you said, it really was like life or death mm-hmm. for a lot of things. We took so, like all that stuff like so seriously and which was great. I mean, that's what we wanted to do. Right. Right. But, um, you know, you're older now and you can look back and be like, maybe we shouldn't have taken it quite so seriously sometimes you know right but um i think that's just maybe i I really think it's just part of maybe the age oh yeah the the youth is definitely you know because i mean you're all children the perspective you just don't have the perspective quite yet right um but uh yeah and and so like in my experience like i was playing life or death with multiple bands at the same time right and that became the rub for you know drama and whatever right Mm -hmm. and i i I mean everything's cool now but i i didn't and i never meant to hurt anyone all i ever wanted to do was play hardcore all i wanted to do was tour and play music and and i just i couldn't be in 
these multiple places at the same time and right and uh so yeah, yeah. well i mean you it, it struck me just from an outsider's perspective too just because you were involved in <clears throat> well yeah i mean 18 visions up by stereo like when you were when you were balancing all this like there were there were moments where i was just like i was like you can't be like you can't be doing all this keith like just yeah. say, not even from like a, a a you know a parental concern but just like <laughs> this is crazy like this dude this dude's gonna burn himself out yeah did you did you ever feel I mean did you feel pulled in so many different directions that you're just like I don't I, I only got to concentrate on one thing Yeah um, everything kind of hit ahead I literally did like three tours back to back in one summer which was uh, Adamantium Throwdown and mm-hmm. Death by Stereo I think Right <laughs> and on the Death by Stereo tour I was just like okay I think I've hit my limit. Uh, <laughs> And I mean, a lot of it had to do with I, had, you know, I had a girlfriend yep. at the time, like a serious relationship, and you know, she was cool with me playing in bands, right? But not being gone for like months and months, and right? Be gone for four months with three different bands, especially at that age, yeah. you know, because yeah. like you're a girl at that age, you're like, you know, everything's life or death for them too, right? Right. Yeah. So it's like, um, but yeah, and I just missed home. It was just like, so I think at that point I had to. I had to start carving it down and, and then it kind of naturally happened for me. Like I remember when I had a, when I, when I had to quit Throwdown, I, I basically just told Dom, our bass player, like, you know, you're going to have to just kick me out cause I, I can't walk out the door. I just can't do it. Like I love it, you know? So they eventually just did that and it was totally cool. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, we, okay, all right. So when you shared that with him, was that like months later that you were eventually quote unquote kicked out or was it like it was no we tried to do it for a little while longer because at that time my friend Matt Mentley do you know Matt of course yeah you met yeah um yeah one of my long term buddies he 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 was uh he started filling in for Throwdown right obviously he became you know Throwdown for so long yep which is rad but um he was filling in and we tried to do that for a while and then it just became um, he's like filling in a lot or something. I don't really remember how it finally <laughs> right. ended or like what I don't I don't remember that timeline to be honest. But yeah, 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 somewhere no. around there. Yeah, but I mean that like, did they have to like legitimately be like Keith, you're out of the band now? Yeah. Okay. Dom called me, and it was like, okay, this is that conversation that we talked about before. <laughs> That's so funny. And I, I just was find like, it yeah, funny, it's cool man. I just find it funny that you like you, yeah. t- you teed it up, and then you're like. I don't know when this other shoe's going to drop, but it will. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's really funny. Um, and so, like, you... I, and honestly, yeah. I was sensitive to it at that time because, sure. because of some of that drama, right? Yep. You know, I go on tour with this band, that means I can't tour with the other band, right? Right. And with Throwdown, like, I had rubbed them a little bit because I was going on other tours and stuff like that. And right. the same thing happened, vice versa, but um, I think that was like, if I quit, I feel like I'm bailing on them. You know, right? Like I love them. I love Throwdown. That, right. That was I started that one too. Like with those guys, right? Yeah. That was yeah. From the inception. So, um, so that's why I was like, I can't quit. Right. You know. And it was yeah. I mean, and it's like all of them were clicking at different paces, but all exciting paces. So it was you know yeah. next to impossible to, like you said, be in one in many places at once. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury, with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. 
featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change and certain restrictions may apply. Pause for a little break in the action because I want to tell you about an amazing record from the music that you're hearing in the background. This band is called Conveyor. They are from the Midwest. They are an awesome hardcore band. And the record is called No Future. Comes out on June 23rd. And the song that you're hearing behind me, that I'll play a little bit, a bit more for you, is called Whetstone. And um, go, pre-order the record. It's victorymerch.com slash store slash conveyor. I'll put it in the show notes so that way you don't forget it. But um, this record is for fans of anything like Stick to Your Guns, 100th, Counterparts, all that melodic hardcore stuff that I personally eat up, this band does in spades. So please, if you are liking what you're hearing, and you'll you'll get a nice little louder volume of it in a moment. But um, yeah, I, I got clued into this band via their first record. I was like, oh, that's cool what they're doing. But this thing is basically putting them into a larger level. They'll be noticed more. They'll do cooler tours. All that stuff I see happening for the band in the near future. So anyways, this is the song. It's called Whetstone. Hear, hear a little bit of it and then go put it to the record, all right? And then we'll dive back into our discussion with Keith. 
so like uh, you know as you were doing all this and being you know consumed by music and touring um did you have aspirations for like oh like you know I, clearly i have to have a job or a career and that sort of stuff or was that basically just like oh i'm i like whatever i'll just work a crappy job just to allow me to tour or whatever uh yeah i had gotten into design um even before I knew I was in design, I was like making zines and right. all that kind of stuff, right? And my my dad was really into photography, so I'd gotten into him to photography through that. And then because of adamantium, I had the the first seven inch that we ever put out. I saw Paul Miner making the layout for the record, and that that turned me onto it. Right, and I was like, this is super cool. And so I was like learning by myself. And and when I was in um, community college. Uh, I was I was always pretty good with art in general, so I was like, I'll just try, I'll try that. Maybe I'll and so I really dug in with that, and that really really clicked with me. So at that time, I was well, I don't I don't remember the timeline, but basically, I went through design school. Okay, and I had to take off my last. I took off my last like whatever you call it quarter or something. Mm-hmm. I took like a little leave of absence because we got eighteen visions got asked to do a tour uh, with Lamb of God and. Uh, and so we took that tour, and then I came back, and then I finished school, mm-hmm. and then graduated. Got it. And then just went on tour forever. Right. <laughs> but you had a piece of paper that said you were smart and you were qualified right. to have a job. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and so I mean, I, kind of looping back to like with as you were all doing this too, and you were you know touring and becoming ostensibly successful as far as being gone all the time. Like, were your parents just always like? Keith, hopefully you've got something going on besides all this band stuff, or was it just like they just you know accepted it because they were like, well, he's on his own, he's taking care of himself. Um, they they definitely liked that I had found something that I was into in design. Yep. So they definitely supported that. Um, it was still it was still rough, uh, you know, because of the music. So it was still so full on with music. Yep. Um, I had, <laughs> man. The times that I, the amount of times like I moved back in and got kicked out was like just so many. You know? Really? Just, yeah. yeah, totally. Like in high school, I got kicked out so many times, and then and, and then afterwards, you know, I mean, I lived out on my own, but then there was times that I went back home and sure. Um, yeah, there was there's problems throughout that whole period, but they did they did like the fact that that I had found something I was interested in. And I was I was getting good at it. They could tell that like I took it seriously. And I enjoyed it, so I was doing good at it, and I was getting good grades and all that kind of stuff, right? And, and working hard on my projects, and I would show them my projects and this and that. Sure. And, well, it's and I mean, respect to the fact that I came back to finish school and make sure I did that. You right. Know? Right. And I'm sure too, because it's like that. That's uh, way more tangible to them. It's like design. Yeah. That makes sense. But I think at that point, <laughs> I think my dad had kind of given up. He was just like, <laughs> "All right, well." Well, this whatever is what you're gonna fucking do. So yeah, whatever keys it do. Yeah, right. as long as he, he didn't like it, but he like he just stopped talking about it. You know, and yeah, I just yeah. went off on tour and and uh, so he wasn't pushing me to try to. You should be doing this. You should be doing. It was just that kind of went out the window a little bit. Right. He's like, I can't push him anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Clearly, sure. it hasn't worked. It's like now there's tattoos and I was like, oh my god. <laughs> Such a fuck up. The um, what always struck me about to you, like as I got to know you and like your music taste and everything like that, was the um, not many people align themselves like kind of what we were talking about before we turned on the mics was like you know, like basically politically charged hardcore bands. Mm. You know, like yeah, they're 
popular, but it was like I didn't feel to the extent that all of Orange County really get embraced that notion. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, ebullition, like anything Chris Collin has done is like. <laughs> You know, like, I mean, I worship at the altar of him and many of those ebullition bands as well. And I just, right. I didn't feel like it was like widely uh, accepted. There were people that got it, but then there was a lot of people who didn't get it. Yeah. Um, but you like really got it and you really identified with it. Yeah. Um, but then your own music that you were creating wasn't rooted in any of that. Not mm-hmm. say, not like saying, oh, Keith, you're a poser because none of your bands were political. <laughs> but um you know, how, how, how is that all kind of like mixing itself? I mean, granted, yes, Monument to Thieves obviously was political mm-hmm. um, because that was your brainchild. But, um, you know, how, how was that like as you were started to incorporate so many of these philosophies and all these radical beliefs? Um, you know, was, was, it, was it met like even with people within the context of the hardcore scene being like, oh, yeah, like Keith's into some like even weirder stuff that like doesn't make sense within <laughs> what we're doing? You know, and I, I was always like searching to like incorporate that somehow. Like I yeah. wanted to, but yeah, I just I, the other people that I was in bands with and stuff like they didn't share that, right? You know, I think they liked the bands, but they didn't really kind of get into the right. It, was, it wasn't like in their DNA quite yeah. as much. You know what I mean? They didn't like struggle as much as I did, and yeah, of downcast course. and all that stuff. I was <laughs> right. like so into it. Um, um. Although some of the guys in 18 Visions were mm-hmm. like that as well. Like Chappetti was, and yep. Javier was, and Ken was. Right. And although, like, you know, James was never... I think he liked some of those bands, but he didn't, like, get into the politics or anything like that. So it right. never it never came out in the lyrics or anything like that. Right. But I definitely shared that with those guys. Like, we all loved those bands. We all loved that type of stuff. Yeah. So there was, like... I feel like I found a home in that band with some of that stuff. Right. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. It's like whether or not it's actually going to be displayed in the music that you're presenting. Yeah. It, there's still that commonality where you're, you know, clearly yeah. all still on the same page. Yeah. 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 We just had a, like a lot of things that we, that were somewhere like, and, and there was, there was some of that, um, Ephraim would do some of that stuff in death by stereo. Absolutely. Which I liked a lot too. Mm-hmm. Um, but That's yeah, a good point. Yeah. yeah. It, it really wasn't until a lot linger with like the whole monument thing where I was like, I can finally do this thing. <laughs> Like it's been burning inside of me. Yeah, I need it, to do my His Heroes Gone ripoff band. It's straight up, dude. <laughs> of course, of course. Yeah. The um, <clears throat> and kind of focusing on eighteen visions, where it was, um, you know, once you joined the band, th- th- you know, they were clearly already on the up and up as far as you know whatever signing to Trustkill, and people were paying attention to them based on the fact that they were. Um, there was a lot of negative attention towards the band in regards to like the thing I liked so much about 18 visions was like, you you really didn't sit in the fence with the band. You either like loved it or you fucking hated it. You're just like, look at like these guys are freaks, weirdos, whatever. Yeah. Um, never accepted. No. I mean like it it was, yeah. Like I, like I said, you just, you really, you got it or you didn't get it. Yeah. And I, I mean, I personally always got it. Like I always really, really enjoyed it from the lifeless EP and on. That's awesome. But the, um, as you started to, you I know, didn't know that. Yeah, I love. That's I mean, cool. yeah, I've always loved eighteen visions. I mean, like through uh, even when you guys pushed, you know, further sonically into places that people were just like, "Yo, fuck eighteen visions! I can't even stand what they're like." You know, yeah. why do they sound like Stone Temple Pilots hardcore or whatever? Right. I still even got what you guys were doing. But <laughs> the as you started to play out nationally, and once you joined the band, and you started to see those reactions, like was that kind of. Um, was that exciting for you to see that, that the, those polarizing reactions to the way people were kind of treating you weirdly in certain respects? Yeah. I mean, the, the thing that I always, I, I gravitated 
towards I mean before I was in 18 Visions I was just a fucking total fan yeah and I loved the, something that they had that I didn't have with other bands that I was in was that they were darker and they were more I don't give a fuck and yeah. they were more like they like those influences like we were just talking about that these other guys didn't really and so I really just had a bond with that so yeah I I definitely enjoyed like doing just just doing what we wanted and letting the fire rise. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. It was just like, it was, it was like you're saying, like some people came up and were like, holy fuck, I love your band. And then some people <laughs> were just like literally talking shit, like oh, as yeah. they're walking by me. You know right, what I mean? Right. And, <laughs> and we were confident enough in who we were, what we liked, what we were trying to do that like it was kind of funny to us. You know? Right. It was, just, it was all right. Yeah. And I, I always we found it weather it totally. <laughs> I found it like there was this uh, this sense of pride too, where it was like you know because yes, there was there a notion. I mean, every speaking to the youth of everybody at that time, you know, there was always a sense of jealousy where it's just like, why does this band have this thing and then I don't have this thing? Like, why can they do this and we can't do this? And it's just like, well, because you're different bands and like more people like the other band. Like, there's, yeah. there's no other explanation. But I always felt a a uh, sense of pride in regards to once orange, the orange County band started to, um, make themselves known nationally. And it's just like, you know, like whatever playing Hellfest and seeing orange County band just being like, dude, like we're, we're stacked on this representation of this festival and like mm-hmm. people are losing their minds over it. Um, and it felt, it, 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 it did feel weirdly, um, well not weirdly, but it, it did feel like this, this community in ways that I, I think other scenes, uh, may not have the same sort of well, they do have the same sort of pride, but just like, I guess the, uh, the notion that like none of our bands sounded alike, yeah. but we all kind of carved our own paths. Yeah. Yeah. And that's totally. what I, I just don't think that that, and I mean, yes, I guess it's common in many other scenes, but it just felt, uh, it felt unique, I guess, just because all of our bands sounded very I different. Agree. Yeah, definitely. I think everyone could, when we played together and we were putting out records and stuff, we could see what everyone else was doing Yeah, and it was kind of, um, well, I mean, I can speaking for myself. I would see what other people was doing, and I would, I would. I mean, I know we we came from the same place, but like, I always wanted to do something a little different. I wanted to stretch a little further and try this too. Right. So we brought into these elements, and we would try these things, and and because everyone else is doing that, and I think a lot of bands were doing it. like yeah. around here, you know, everyone kind of had their yeah, they had their own kind of lane, right? Yeah, like zigging when everyone else is zagging because they're just like, okay, like. I know that we can't be the heaviest band, but we can be this thing. And yeah. I, Oh, I know we can't be the most melodic band, but we can be this thing or whatever. And yeah. it's like, yeah, it, it was interesting to see that all splinter off in so many different ways that, um, yeah, that just like theoretically probably shouldn't have happened in such a condensed time because that was, you know, it's less than 10 years where all that stuff was happening. And it's like, yeah. it's wild to think about that. Yeah, totally. Um, the, uh, like, like you said, once you were, um, you know, basically touring constantly with 18 visions and, and started to propel into, you know, playing ostensibly like a rock band, you know, as far as the crowds you were playing to and, you know, going on tour with him and everything that started to happen with that. Yeah. Um, you, you always struck me too, like you were interested in the business of the band, but not to the extent where you were, I guess the main player in regards to like, you were the one like booking the shows and being like the sort of manager of the band. Like, was that always something that you kind of tr- wanted to keep at a distance or you just, frankly didn't care too much about that yeah i just never never cared too much i was always in the 
the serious conversations we'd have to have about a, a, with the band about like okay you know what are we going to do next what are we going to do we have to make a decision about this tour and this that we would talk about stuff but um i never got into the nuts and bolts of like yeah money or you know i would let our tour managers take care of that stuff and i, I just right. yeah i loved writing music i loved <laughs> playing and hanging out like i the other stuff was we had to talk about it sometimes, but yeah, mm-hmm. it was never something I gravitated. Some some guys and some bands do, you know. They yeah, like, I get, they would kind of take control and 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 do that. Like in Throwdown, that was Dom. Yep, you know he would book the shows or he would talk to the people who were booking the shows, and he'd be the in between guy on everything. And yeah, no thanks. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean it's it's good. I mean it's good that you recognize that in yourself because sometimes yeah. I think it's difficult when bands have two people that are feeling like they can do that and then. Then you just butt heads, and then yeah. Luckily, in in Age Visions, Ken was always that guy. Right. Ken was really the driving force with like so much about like the backbone and brains of what was happening. Right. Right. Yeah. You. Yeah. When I always find it weird when you have a band that doesn't have one of those people, where you're just like, how are you? Like, I mean, I understand that you know you can have managers and a lot of other people that help you along the way, but I always find it weird when it's like the whole band is like collectively like, nah. Yeah. It's like, how do you even get like? Yeah. Totally. How do you? How did you get to where you are right now? Lost at sea. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> the um, and so then as you started to scale down your your touring and start to be you know less involved in that that day to day of uh, or actually let me rephrase it you liked touring like you you enjoyed the uh, the act of touring and obviously playing live and everything like that but you know did uh, did it get to a grind to you. Not in the same way that you, you know, when you're doing three tours in a row with three different bands, but like once 18 Visions was touring so frequently, um, did that get like a grind on you or was it like, oh, it was relatively always enjoyable? Yeah. No, I started getting old. Just the, just the act of touring and, and, and living out of a suitcase. Um, I, my, my favorite thing about being in a band always has been making records. Yeah. So writing the music and then like turning this idea in my head into like, a reality I could put it on you know vinyl or whatever and and have that to like put on my shelf like that's what was cool like I like creating things so that comes back to design and all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, I, I just yeah. love making things and then seeing the end result and going okay I like what I did there may I'll try to do this on the next one and whatever and so it's just constant thing of creation and touring <clears throat> was a lot of fun but you know the fifth time you go to Australia and you're playing the same clubs, like it just lost a little bit of the, you know, newness or whatever. And, and it's just, it's fucking taxing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and also a big part of it was just like your, your connections and relationship back home. They really kind of can suffer. That's mm-hmm. super tough. Right. And, um, so all of that mixed in together was like, I mean, we were, we were on the ride with, with 18 and the, and, there was a moment where Ken and I had discussed like, all right, like this whole time the band's basically, we've been doing this, like it's been this upward slope. Right. And when we broke up was kind of like when we just had finally, so basically we got dropped from our major mm-hmm. and we were like, maybe this is the right time to just like, let's just stop at the top. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's, this is a good place to, to stop it. Um, or I think during the last record cycle was like, if, if things don't play out right on this major, like, you know, then maybe that's when we'll do it. Right. And then, so then some fuckery happened up with our like singles and this and that. But then we were like, yeah, I think, 
and I had kind of noticed it because at the exact same time, the last tour that I had done at that time was uh, we, we had toured with um, the Deftones in Australia mm-hmm. and and thrice, and it was like this is an amazing tour. But I was like, <laughs> right, kind of can I'm like looking forward to be home. Yeah, so that's how I kind of knew. You know, right. I was ready for like a little bit of a normal life. Sure. The writing was on the wall where it's like, yeah. oh, like if I'm not, if I'm really not absorbing the fact that it's like, yeah, you're in Australia with, you know, yeah. some amazing bands. And then it's like, oh yeah, it's I, mean, I definitely had fun still, but like, yeah, but I, I was just, I was craving a normal life really. Like I was, I was ready to like be home for an extended period of time and like be able to see the same people, you know, like my friends at home, like right. over again and my family and this and that. So, right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the normalcy that, you know, many people, uh, are, you know, argue is mundane. It's like, well, no, like there's a reason that a lot of people like normalcy yeah. <laughs> because sure. it feels good. <laughs> yeah, totally. A little <laughs> bit of repetition's nice. <laughs> exactly. Um, and did you, uh, did you, did you become adjusted right away to like not being on tour or was that something that like, you know, after, you know, cause you always have that time where it's just like, Oh, you know, after three months of being home, like, Oh, I'd like to go back on the road, but like, that's not an option. Or was it like, no, I really enjoy being home. No, I really enjoyed being home. It was really, it was weird adjusting to being back in like a full-time job. Oh, sure. Like my first design job. Um, that was definitely weird. Like, uh, being in an office and stuff like that yep. at, at first. Uh, but but no, I, I enjoy being home. Yeah, that's awesome. Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Join us March 20th live from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City featuring an unforgettable performance by Grammy and Academy Award-winning singer, songwriter, and composer, John Batiste. The all-new Infiniti QX80 is unlike any luxury SUV you've ever seen. Smart enough to anticipate your needs, even before you do. Every line, curve, and detail was thoughtfully crafted, so everything for every passenger feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same-game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get 150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms, 21 plus only. Virginia only, new customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right, sofas from only $639. 
Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric. Cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Um, and so the last couple things, uh, the, you know, I mean, 18 visions is obviously back and you know, you're putting out a new record and everything like that. Um, I, I really enjoy the fact that every band can exist in this. Like we can, we can create music and we'll put it out to people who care about it. Um, but we don't need to make this like our living, breathing, dying thing. Right. (laughs) Um, I presume that is like the biggest impulse for you to do it again is from that notion of just like, Oh yeah, this can be simple. Yeah. And I think it's cool. Like the way you just put it and the way that you recognize it, because there's definitely this, you know, um, flippant backlash of like, Oh, like all these bands are getting back together and blah, blah, blah. blah and either reliving the glory days or whatever they, their spin is. Um, it's it's way more simple like you just said yeah it's just now you know just from technology to every it's just it's it's easier and i mean the time is right for us now uh, mostly because i could pick my head out of the sand and i i feel like i've got my life in a place where i can pick my head up now i feel like with my kids and parenting the family and my career and all that kind of stuff. I feel like I'm on a bit of a, a normal role and all this stuff. And, and I feel like, okay, I can, I can start dedicating more time to music, but yeah. Um, yeah, no, I, I, the, the living die or the, the life or death stuff is 1 trillion percent in the music. I mean, like, we take writing and making these songs just as serious as we ever did. Right. Like I can definitely assure you, like we're so proud of this record and we're so proud of, um, of, of what we've done. And it was so fun. This process has been so fun. And the nostalgia of like that old feeling of making the record back then, being able to do it again now is just fucking awesome. Right. Um, And I just love these dudes so much. I like Trevor and James, like just, we just had, we had a rad connection when like 18V always had, we had a really rad bond. Yeah. Like not all bands got along and stuff like that. Right. But we did. And so we just, we've had so much fun. Right. It's like slipping on an old pair of shoes where you're just like, oh, like this is what it's like yeah. to be creative with people who you're like on the same level. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I think with, with the fact that we have a little bit of history behind us and, um, we, you know, we feel confident that we can still make out, a, you know, put out a, a, a great record. Like we can still have some doors open for us and we can still play and get out there and do some manageable things and like still kind of exist without mm-hmm. having to be like, yeah, like road dogs. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally. Um, it's not like, yeah, I, we, we, all, the, we all have careers and stuff like that. We're not worried about 
falling on our ass or whatever. Right. Exactly. You're not like, well, I, I, we got to do this in order to pay the bills. And it's like, yeah. no, that's like furthest from yeah. anybody's, anybody's thought. It's like, Oh, the fact that we can put out a record and people are going to care about it. Like that's, that's the ultimate, yeah, totally. that's the ultimate victory. Yep. Um, and then, uh, you know, like you mentioned, you know, family man married, you have two kids, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the, you know, coming from a subculture like we have and then, you know, raising children and everything like that. I mean, it's, it's something I think about constantly in regards to the fact that it, tell me if you if you've had this thought where I, I look at like, OK, what is my kid going to get into that I'm going to like not know about or is going to surprise me, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I really rifle through this in my head. Like if, you know, my son brings home like an insane clown posse record, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to at least at the very bare minimum, I know what he's talking about. Like, like, dude, I already have all those. Right. <laughs> I'm like, dude, I'm right I've here. already been to the gathering, bro. They're here this whole time. <laughs> right. But like, you know what I'm saying? Like the, like what is, what subculture is my child going to get into that yeah. I'm not going to understand? Yeah. Because I, I feel like, yeah, it's bound to happen. I mean, to an extent, but I just think that like, because, you know, like people such as ourselves are like, are plugged into so much, you know, weird shit that like, what, what is going to happen? And then on that same tip, the fact that we're raising our kids from that sort of subculture perspective, Mm -hmm. um, is that, so like, I don't know. I mean, I know there's not real, a question really tied into that, but like, is is that something, yeah. Is that stuff that like goes through your mind where it's just like, Oh, the fact that I'm coming from this weird subculture and I'm raising my kids in this way that frankly I wasn't raised. Yeah. You know, so like, well, see, my, my wife is not from the same subculture, you know? Right. So, so there's going to be a balance for Absolutely. sure. You know, um, I'm definitely going to be exposing them to these things, you know, to, to music and records and, and going to shows. I'm going to take them, you know, so they can experience that because, you know, yeah, us as parents, it, showing them it's not going to, it doesn't, f- I mean, I guess I know it's underground in a lot of ways, but it doesn't feel like that to us. But for so much of the world, it is. It's like this total, like, yeah, they don't even know it exists, right? No. So you say tour, they think of a bus or whatever. They can- right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I really love the fact that I'll be able to expose them to this thing that's like, this thing is under the surface. And, and because you know that, you're going to know in other parts of life, there's lots of other things that are under the surface, you know, like you didn't know about this. So you'll probably in other parts of life dig for more information about other things too. And so whether they pick up on, you know, hardcore or, yeah. or punk or whatever, that's, a, that's irrelevant. Like, yeah. yeah, you know, I mean, I'm going to try to get them excited about that. Of, of course, course, of but, course. But, um, but yeah, I just hope the mentality is is understood and and transferred you know yeah and i think it will make them smarter Mm -hmm. you know just that goes for everything with politics to you know to to the world to relationships like there's you need things take time to understand you need to dig deep to find the important shit right Right. and and you need to be exposed to it yeah because i think that's so much that goes along with i mean frankly why we're you know in our in our mid to late 30s and still care so much about this this subculture is not only is it because it's given us you know whatever so many foundational aspects to our lives but the fact that that we were able to trip across this and experience this whereas a lot of other people it's like you know you express the idea of you know whatever veganism you know anarchy whatever all these these words that are meaningless to a lot of people in the outside world you're just like at least we've had that exposure to it yeah and it's I, and 
being from Orange County, like there's there's no reason why I would have needed any of that stuff. Right. But it wasn't until I was touring and seeing how other people live in different countries and different, you know, just the in different cities. I mean, you know, like Cleveland, Detroit, and these places that I had never been to and seeing how other people live, like it just really levels the fuck out of you you know like uh-huh. mentally yeah. you know that it's perspective yeah that's that's what it is you know and I, I that's what i want is perspective and understanding that there's there's like there's other frequencies that you can't hear you know that are out there yeah it, yeah and you need yeah you, you and gotta you be showed you gotta be exposed like you said exactly yeah and you need you, you need to be able to uh you know understand where it comes from first without judgment you know because yeah. it's like when we start first started getting into this, this, you know, weird music scene, it's like, it would have been easy. Like it's so easy to drop a person off with no context into this thing and then like have them make fun of everything. Yeah. You're like, well, this looks ridiculous. Why are a bunch of people jumping on each other's backs and like swinging their arms? You know, like, yes, it looks my wife brought her best friend to a disembodied show. Okay. <laughs> Which is, I'm sure just like, what is this? This was her first show. <laughs> and she was just watching the devil incarnate on stage <laughs> right. and all these fools just raging. Totally. And she was like, what the hell is happening here? Right. This is insane. Yeah. Yeah. And she was totally like making fun of it and all this stuff. And I had to like say something like, Hey, you don't know where you are right now. Totally. And you need to soak it in before you say something. Okay. You know, I was like really offended. <laughs> Dude, you say it right there. That was like, that was like, that was like total dad voice right there. <laughs> You're like, like, listen here, just, yeah. just hold on, slow your roll. <laughs> I love that though. But I mean, it's true because you need, you, you have to be reminded that it's like, yeah, it may seem ridiculous to you, but like yeah. this, you know, again, this is, this is, this is life or death. This is like something that yeah. is irrevocably changing people's lives and you don't even know how it's able to, you're not even able to describe how that's changing people's lives in that very moment. Cause you won't notice it until five, 10 years later. And it's like, oh wow. Yeah. Like that's Some crazy. people love techno. Yeah, totally. <laughs> you're like, hey, hopefully it's changed your life for the positive. Sure it has. But then you're like, but there's no, but there's no real actual like philosophy that's attached to this. Besides, I mean, maybe you could argue like, you know, plur, like peace, love and under whatever the, the, the rave. Have you heard that? No. So I think it's, it's more in rave culture, but it's like plur, which is like peace, love, understanding and respect. Oh, I bag it. Yeah, which, I mean, it's good, but that's like, you know, like mid to late 90s rave culture where everyone was, you know, doing ecstasy and touching themselves. Um, not like I had any it's part like of that or Toby whatever. Morris on drugs. Right. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, maybe that could be, yeah, that could be like if he ever decides to drop straight edge, like he could just completely <laughs> transition his. He's got another home. <laughs> well, uh, Keith, thanks for hanging out, man. This was super fun for me. I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, thanks for coming over. It was cool. <laughs> of course, sure. man. All right. That was Keith. And thank you very much, Keith, for hanging out and inviting me over to your house and uh, giving me a nice cup of coffee. You know, it was it was great to uh, chill out with a person who I just kind of knew in passing, but uh, now we have a deeper relationship. It's great. So uh, their new record comes out uh, Friday on the 2nd of June. And actually, it's the same day that I'm going to see them live. Come back, play a show here in uh, Orange County, and it will be quite fun. So, um, yeah. The record's out on Rise Records, if I'm not mistaken, and it's called 18, the Roman numeral 18, which, you know, no one knows Roman numerals anymore. It's, that's something that I, I don't think that schools even teach anymore. So uh, let's let's bring back the Roman numeral, right? So technically, it's a self-titled record, but it's called 18. 
Well, actually, no, it's not because then it would be 18 visions. Whew. Wow. My head is in a cloud. But anyways, <laughs> thank you very much, Keith. And thank you very much, uh, Biggie, his manager, for uh, helping usher this along as well. Uh, actually, you know what? I don't think he did, but uh, whatever. Give a shout out to him anyways. <laughs> no, he did. He sent me the record, so that was nice. Um, and then next week, holy crap, five years. It's our five-year anniversary. R, I say R like I'm looking at anybody else besides myself. It's my five-year anniversary of this show, and uh, I'm breaking a rule. I am going to be having on a guest that I previously had on the show, which, you know, I've done that here and there in regards to, like, bonus episodes and what have you, but this is a repeat guest that um, I just, I had to have him on the show because he's not only one of my favorite people, favorite vocalists of all time, um, but just, I I had to talk to him again because it's been far too long. Chris Callahan from... Swarm, Left for Dead, Cursed, Burning Love, Sect, Countdown to Oblivion. I could go on and on, but I won't. But he's on next week, and it's a very special, fun conversation that um, just basically typifies what this podcast tries to do. And um, I had to celebrate it in some capacity, right? <laughs> so that's next week. Lowercase Noises provides the music. As always, you can check out his new record called The Swiss Illness. You can find it on any streaming provider. And it is a beautiful, beautiful record, so you should be checking it out. And um, what else I got for you? That's that's it, right? Yeah, that's all. I'm uh, I'm gonna go take a break now because I've been working so hard recently. <laughs> but until next week, please be safe, everybody. You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, JabberjawMedia.com. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80, live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Your elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive entirely its own. Brake kits, LED headlights, whatever you need, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only, exclusions apply.